0: Hello, and welcome to episode 132 of the Waters Wavelength podcast. I'm Anthony Malakian, editor-at-large of Waters, and I'm joined, as always, by James Rundle, our U.S. editor. Hello. And today we have a special guest for you all. Uh, joining us is Greg Skabiski, uh, founder and CEO of Thasos Group. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for being on uh, today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: And Greg, you know, just to start off with, just for the listeners out there that aren't as familiar with the alternative data space, but also your company, why not give us the broad uh, view of what the company
1: does? Sure, very briefly. Um, that's is a company that spun out of the MIT Media Lab seven years ago. Uh, the company is a an, uh, data analytics company that's focused uh, 100% on analyzing uh, aggregate uh, anonymized location data from mobile phones. We take large amounts of that data. Uh, we process it. Uh, we normalize it. We clean it, uh, and we make it time consistent so that uh, folks in the financial services community can use it, uh, you know, to understand what's going on in real time uh, in the real world. So, for example, um, activities going on at uh, at retailers, or hours worked in factories, or uh, income levels to malls, uh, changing over time. Things like that.
0: Okay, and. You know, I guess to start this discussion, we're going to kind of go into alternative data space as a whole, and then start to drill into kind of geospatial location data. But why? Is, what? What? What has happened over the last few years that have that's made this data more accessible, more available for users to tap into? What are, what are kind of some of the bigger trends that led to this?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I think over the last few years. Um, probably the number one biggest change would be quality uh, of the data uh, in terms of uh, how well it's time consistent normalized. So you can do year-over-year measurements, Uh, you know, sequential measurements, uh, you know, have very limited value on Wall Street. People need to see, you know, seasonality, uh, you know, uh, tamed and, you know, you have to have a lot of historical data to do that. So a lot of that stuff is just coming to market um, right now. And also, uh, you know, to normalize big data, Uh, and what we do is, you know, it's really, really, uh, you know, big data, even pushing the limits of the cloud, uh, you know, at some points. Um, but, you know, wrangling this, uh, you know, takes time, right? right? And so you've had a lot of PhDs spending, you know, to normalize one data set, it can take one of our PhDs even two years to get it, you know, within one or 2% year over year uh, accurate so that it can go into sort of our uh, main product. So I would say that, you know, a lot of people, including us, have been, you know, spending all of that, uh, you know, blood, sweat, and tears over the last years. Um, and there's really some high quality data sets uh, coming to market. And it's also got the attention of some of the really big folks, uh, you know, in the financial services uh you know the data provider community
0: how much of it does it have to do with like the hardware space uh, as i understand it you know just look at satellites that you now have like these kind of like micro satellites that kind of get shot up that, like in a rocket this is going to sound very unintelligent but please <laughs> okay. feel free to make it sound <laughs> intelligent here yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> but rather than just get it you know this, it used to take, as I understand it, like months to get you know the, uh, the, the data back and then to get it out. So it, it was lagging significantly. But now you have smaller satellites that are going up that are able to acquire more data. So that's in the hardware space where you're not at. But was that kind of a big leap forward then in getting this information?
1: Yeah, I think that the, um, you know, sort of some of the poster children in alternative data are credit card transaction data, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look, even like three years ago, not that many people were using the the data and and felt that it was really high quality, whereas today I think it's, you know, one one of the highest quality data sets looking at U.S. uh, consumer names. Um, you've also had satellite around for a while. These guys have had, uh, I think, a benefit because the government, you know, in many cases, is secretly funding these things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so sometimes, you know, like for the last years, looking at the alt data market, um, you know, it just didn't make sense how many you know, people these satellite data companies were hiring, and it seemed like all they were selling was you know, data to hedge funds. Yeah. Uh, so there must be something more, right? <laughs> Maybe the Department
2: <laughs> of Defense. Exactly. You
1: know, but, uh, but it's great. You know, it helps the, uh, you know, fuel the innovation. Uh, and I think that, yeah, the hardware has, has changed a lot. Um, you know, everything has its its niche, right? So I think that you know, definitely satellites coming to market. You know, you're going to be able to see real time, uh, real time TV. You know, basically the entire world, um, and that'll be great for some things. I mean, already you know, satellite data is great for looking at like slag piles growing next to mines. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to use cell phone location data, uh, you know, people take their don't take their phone, you know, to a mine and definitely won't work down in the mine. So it's basically useless. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you have a satellite, you can see, you know, the the scale of the dirt. Is it going up fast? Is it going up slowly? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's a a valuable indicator looking at crops, things like that. And so, um, you know, I think there's already really good data coming out of satellite Um, and satellite and and, and geodata. uh, I really think that they uh, they complement each other.
2: So when it comes to, um, you know, you talked about the effort that goes into normalizing this data and cleaning it and making it usable uh, and all the various applications like the slag piles, like, you know, uh, footfall traffic and whatever, what goes into, um, when you look at a data set or potential data set, what are the prerequisites you look for in terms of thinking, right, we're going to invest the time and actually, Making this useful and, and, and normalizing it, cleaning it up, and everything else.
1: Right. So, how long is this podcast? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm going to abbreviate that answer, uh, you know, for the benefit of everybody. Um, look, I think that one of the tricky things about sourcing data is that's especially big data, and especially in financial community, is that um, in order to evaluate if a data set is good or not, even to to start working on it, if we want to source it you have to have sort of all the models in place to be able to do it, uh, process it to the very end. Right? And you have to be able to have, uh, so for example, if we're looking at a location data set, we can look at, we have to have something that's at least um, six quarters of historical high quality data, okay. right? Because we need mm-hmm. at least two quarters uh, of year over year. Because how do you know if something is predictive of something? Well, first thing you do is you know, you know, test it versus price, right? You're looking at like the ground truth KPIs, right? So mm-hmm. if um, you know Home Depot is uh, reporting, for example, like the, the number of customers that they have every quarter, that's ground truth, right? So if you, uh, want to source a data set, first you have to convince them, hey, give me all your historical data. I don't need, just need a sample for a day or two. Give me all of it so it's at least you know, six quarters. Then you have to process it through the whole system that you know, maybe took years to build. And then you know, after all that effort, you might uh, you know, process it. And then you, now you look at the year over year. How does your noise reduction, your error correction, your normalization work? And you try to match it to see if you can, you know, pr- you know, see what uh, you know Home Depot's actual number was, or the number of people went to a national park, or whatever the ground truth is. Um, and in many cases, you do all that work of sourcing the data, licensing it, building that infrastructure, which takes years, and then you get to out to the end, and you realize that your best you can do is, you know, ten percent year over year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, perhaps your whole company is just going to be a failure if you can't get those normalization models better, right? So we took a big risk, in fact, starting VASO, spending all these years doing this, hoping that, you know, it'd be within a couple percent year over year at the end um, that it would work. So there's a huge, um, you know, upfront build and, you know, initial risk that you have to take. Um, And then, you know, we we see a lot of different disparate data sets because all different data sets have errors at different times. So we take many different data sets. We normalize each individually because each has its own quirks and errors. Then we combine them together. Well, Then we test them each individually against all the ground truth KPIs you know, using the, the machine learning models. Then, and only then, do we combine them together to make sure that they um, cross-validate each other. And that's the only time you start to have confidence. Um, and what you're looking at is you know, all these different ground truth KPIs. You're not even talking about price, right?
0: Just by wonder then, why is it that you have so many people entering the space of alternative data both you know startups such as yourself, the biggest you know uh, uh, data providers in the space are looking to get into it as well as the banks themselves in some ways are, are looking to get into it. Why is this becoming such a, you know kind of a gold rush of people trying to get in right now do you think?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think one of the big impetus for people getting into the space recently is that, uh, at least in like, the location data space, is that um, uh, G- Google got into the location advertising market and Facebook is aggressively going towards it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there was all these uh, you know, small little companies that did sort of like footfall attribution and things like this in the marketing space. They had a great business um, out of it. But when Google enters your space, you can imagine that board of directors meeting, yeah. You know, they went out and they were like, okay, you find another revenue source, right? <laughs> and so right around there, uh, you know, alternative data was taking off. And I think everybody looked and they were like, hey, wait a minute, we've got this data. Like hedge funds will definitely pay seven figures for this. <laughs> but, you know, it's not that easy, right? Yeah. So um, it's tricky because, for example, we had to set this company up for just a specific reason of working with hedge funds, right? So, you know, we, we, we don't have PII in the company, right? Personally identifiable information, right? We protect the funds arm's length even from having it in our company. Um, you know, we make sure that the data is aggregate and anonymized. So when you get it from original source, um, you know you know that you know, you're sort of rep and warranting that you know, it, was, it has a good uh, you know, legal chain of custody. It was like, you know, done ethically. We've you know, reviewed the pri- privacy policy. And you know, once you've done all that kind of stuff, then you can walk into a fund and pass compliance. If you're uh-huh. an ad tech firm, the fund's just going to be like, wait a minute. So your whole business is built on you know, identifying individual people. Uh-huh. And we're going to take that data? <laughs> no way. Right? Especially so, with it, something okay. like
0: GDPR that came in. Because that was one thing, you know, when I first read about your company, I found it fascinating. But I was like... This is also it. It's, it comes off as a bit creepy until you understand that they're maybe explain that piece of it that that's very important from a privacy perspective. From me as an individual, yeah, I have this tracking device on me that I allow to send out signals because I would like to use Facebook and you know whatever Google Maps you know as I'm using it. But how do do how maybe explain for people that that information that's going to the providers and then going through you that that's. So that they're not able to be identified by any of this, uh, by any of this data, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think you know, part of it is that you just don't want to have ever somebody's you know, phone number or advertising ID or any sort of like uh, you know, linked identifier like that, right? But secondly, you know, in this evolving world of data, it just comes down to everything else, like driving a car or walking down the street. <laughs> you know, um, it's, there's rules, right? Yeah. And the rules have to be followed. Like, data is everywhere. Right. And we have to accept it, whether it's location or whether it's whatever. Um, And, you know, there's been all this sort of gray area around it and people reselling stuff. And, um, you know, I don't people ask me before, do you see any instance of something really egregious that you saw happening? And I don't have an example of it. I think people have been very careful because their business is built on, you know, trying to do the right thing. Um, But what we're finding is that, you know, the sort of the more that this stuff gets regulated, the more data is becoming available to folks like us, you know, who are very careful with it, who only look at, you know, aggregate anonymous statistics. And, you know, the good of this data, um, you know, for example, you're, I don't know, big, I don't know, any sort of big company that's a public company, right? You might keep this data inside. But once you feel more comfortable that the laws are in place, and it's regulated, then you're going to come out and say, hey, how can we do something with this mm, d- yeah. data? And You know, even um, like we're focused on stuff like right now that's not just, you know, for financial services, but for uh, policy makers, right? You have to have stuff that shows use of the data for public good. So we're, um, you know, working on something with MIT right now, which is looking at the global data that we have to understand migration flows in real time between countries. Um, And we're hoping to issue something uh, public uh, on that in the coming months. Uh, And now, you know, for the first time ever, we can understand migration between every country in the world In real time, this is a super hot topic, Um, and, you know, this is really important for policymakers, for, you know, for distribution of aid, all this kind of stuff. So it's our job to show that, you know, there's a a social good, um, you know, out of this stuff, and it's not just only people using it to understand, you know, what's the income level of people at malls.
2: And do you, um, when you provide this data to your clients, I guess it depends on what they want, but do you just give them the raw data dump, or do you provide context around it? So, for instance, do you say, well, there was a higher footfall in that mall, but that's because the Mets were playing at Citi Field nearby or whatever that day, or whatever that, I mean, how do you kind of illustrate that to clients?
1: Yeah, we, um, we don't that much. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the data that comes out, uh, you know, I think that just to be clear, like in the sort of like geo data market, there's definitely, um, you know, folks who sell geo data, right? You sell latitudes and longitudes and it's still anonymized, it's okay. Um, but you know you're buying that stuff, and you got to figure out what to do with it. You know, you got to figure out where are all the Costco's, right? Yeah. Do they do? Is that a shared parking lot, or they have their own parking lot, right? To see where the, the points are, um, you know that that's okay. But um, anyway, I think that. Um, uh, Sorry, for forgot what was What was your
2: question again? It was um, how much do you provide context around the data? Oh, yeah, the in context. Of, Sorry.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, you can buy this geodata, but, you know, what we deliver is, you know, we're not a geodata vendor. You can't buy a latitude, longitude from us. You can only buy, um, you know, like daily time series data, right? Okay. So if you want to know how many people are at Costco, it's like, you know, literally a date and a number and a date and a number. And so the full data set is... Uh, you know, one number per day for the past, like, three years, right? right but second. it's nicely normalized for year over year. So you can take, you know, seven days this week and seven days a year ago divided by each other, and you have a, a properly normalized, you know, seasonally adjusted, <laughs> uh, you know, year over year number. So that's the data that we sell, and that's the only data um, that we sell. So we're really an analytics company that makes data products. Um, so all that geodata, we actually, you know, source it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few funds out there that that, you know, geo-data themselves and try to process it themselves but it's a huge effort um and you know just to give you an example you know we've been around for seven years um you know we've been servicing clients for almost four years we didn't put up a website until the company was six years old because that's how long it took us to to know you know that these products were good and used by the market and, and worked and um you know in the end you don't necessarily need to tell people know why something's moving in the data as long as you can show that you know historically and in out of sample testing that you know that it matches uh you know the the kpis that it should
0: Mm -hmm. sure what are you hiring i guess just in the space just in general more or less because you said that you have a bunch of data scientists that are looking through data sometimes sometimes will take you know years to get that value out of it. But how much have advancements in machine learning and deep learning, how much does that play into this? Or is it still very much you're getting the data and then it's humans that will still be kind of sifting through it? How much is it automation versus human, I guess?
1: Yeah, I think there's um, there's still a lot of human process in this, right? I mean, do we use deep learning? No, right? Do we do, you, do we use a lot of supervised and unsupervised machine learning? Yes. Um, Do we use a lot of people? Yes. Right. Do we, you know, have a mechanical Turk system to outsource tasks, you know, that need to be done over and over and over and over again, you know, like hundreds of thousands of times? Yes. Do we have an internal approval process for all those tasks to make sure that they match up uh, after the AI tries to see if they do or not? Right. Um, Do we use a human? Yes. I mean, in financial services, I mean, it really is, you know, especially more than anything, it's garbage in, garbage out. Right. And so, um, you know, at this point, you know we're not a consulting company. You know, we only make these programmatic data feeds. So you can buy a, you know, a package of, you know, what's the hours worked at every, um, you know, manufacturing facility in uh, in the U.S. by ticker, right? Is that going up or is it going down? Um, you, you know, and people want to know that because you know, if your uh, production is going up, uh, you know, and hours worked is going up in many cases. Depending on the lag based on the kind of industry they're in, like a CPG company, you know, their production goes up. You know, <laughs> that can affect their revenue just you know not, not too long after, uh, yeah. right? And so these are these are brand new um, uh, things that that we're looking at, and you know, humans. They really scale with AI, but humans need to be involved.
0: So I guess if I'm understanding it correctly, then, it's more on the the actual, the, the ones that are collecting the data, they're the ones that are using the deep learning algorithms to, to understand features of an oil tanker going down, of things like th- uh, 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 re- that, that require um, an I'm understanding. sure,
1: you know, if they use deep learning, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about, you know, deep learning is that it just requires a tremendous amount of training data. Yeah. right if you have tons of training data you can use deep learning yeah. and maybe you could use deep learning on you know uh, you know you know microsecond ticks in the stock market maybe there's enough data to do deep learning on something like that but definitely when you're looking at you know 4 6 10 quarters 20 quarters of data and you have maybe uh you know i don't know even a couple hundred tickers looking horizontally you know that amount of quarters and that amount of ticker it's just you can't even use regular machine learning on it. Yeah. Nevertheless, deep learning. So I would be surprised if people are using deep learning on this data.
0: And then, can you give an example a success story of you know of of how a hedge fund would go about taking um, this information to gain alpha to get ahead of the market?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think that um, you know I can tell you a couple ways that. You know, the people have had success, uh, you know, with this data. So one product we have is based on looking at foot traffic and related attributes in real time to 150 publicly traded U.S. retailers. So for the example here, um, you know, everybody who trades these retailers has credit card transaction data already. Okay. Right. But still, that's just that's one source. And uh, it's not always Right. Uh, You know, there's upstream processing errors or somebody changes a tag, you know, in a transaction system. This is all data exhaust that they're productizing, right? Um, And so there's errors, right? And and, um, so a lot of people uh, will use our data and they layer it on top. So uh, you know some of the tickers we both have coverage on, and you know when you have two independent signals for something, it's far better in terms of understanding your risk. Uh, you know, m- imagine that the um, uh, credit card data, uh, you know, says something's up, you know, eight percent for the quarter, right? And our data says it's up eight percent. Well, you have a lot more confidence, right? Yeah. But you also know that, you know, one didn't say positive eight, and the other one went negative eight, right? You know what? A lot of funds will see when the credit card and our data diverge, they'll say, you know what? Um, this is a really, you know... Um, you know, risk asymmetrical trade, right? Everyone's piled on the same side of the trade because everyone has the same credit card data. And they'll say, you know what, maybe we'll just sit this one out because we have conflicting information. And many times, you know, they avoid like a 20 or 25% uh, bloodbath uh, mm-hmm. the next sure. day. So it's having more. So sometimes you use it just to have another independent look uh, at something. And that's example of like U.S. consumer. Um, another example is, you know, we have another product that's all um, looking at uh, – the foot traffic and related attributes to uh, all the publicly traded um, owned malls in the United States. So, like, there's about 4,500 malls in the U.S. that are owned by public company uh, mall REITs. So we look at, at to all of these. We look at um, you know foot traffic year over year. Is it going you know up or down on the property level? Um, we look at the income level. Uh, you know the customers uh, in aggregate. Is it going up? Is it going down? Um, We look at the loyal customer base, you know, the people that are, you know, (laughs) what's the rate at which they're losing their loyal customer base? And how's that changing over time? Because you're always losing loyal customers because people move or whatever. Um, But, you know, what's that rate, right? And what's the rate at which you're gaining net new customers? So um, for this, you know, looking at malls, that data has never been available before ever. So this is like the only product in the market where you can get real-time coverage of 100% of the malls. You know, and it's all rolled up a ticker, so you can look at it as well on the ticker level. Um, but you know, whether you're looking at credit or you're looking at the, you know, the CMBS loans, and you know, each property could have 20 or more CMBS loans uh, you know, attached to it, um, or you're looking at the tickers, or you're looking at the macro effect or anything, um, in this world of, of malls and mall reads, that no data has ever been available before And so it was completely disruptive to the industry to have that transparency suddenly available to everyone, right? (laughs) Um, So that's an example. I'd say another one is, uh, you know, looking at this, uh, the industrial plants, right? So you can go around to the buy side and ask pretty much anyone. And everybody will say, um, you know, one place we really don't have good real-time data, is real-time data on industrial production or productivity, uh, and so you know we listen to that and we build these things for the clients and we productize them. Um, and it turns out, you know, after building all of that, you definitely see, you know, with different, you know, varying lags, you definitely see, uh, you know, when hours were worked and these factories are going up or they're going down, you can see that, um, you know, with a sort of a fixed lag by industry, um, you can see that affecting, uh, you know, what happens on the. Uh, on the revenue side. So, and that's something, again, that's been completely, um, you know, new uh, to the world. So we're at a stage in alternative data where, you know, we've been a complementary data source, I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, before. But now, you know, it's all this completely new stuff that nobody's been ever, ever been able to measure before. And some people would say that, you know, is, if you're looking at a shopping mall, right, and you're trying to analyze it, or you're going to buy it or sell it or credit or whatever it is, you're looking at a shopping mall, they have all these metrics that the, you know, Mall Reach report that are, you know, their own internal metrics uh, based on, you know, the usage and square feet and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it might be a case that, you know, foot traffic to a mall might be one of the absolute key KPIs for a mall. Yeah. Right? So just because it's, you know, alternative data doesn't mean that, you know, it's not the core KPI of the business. And so that's what people are starting to understand and, and alt data is, because new alt data is coming out, people are starting to understand that it maybe is a key fundamental and not alt data. Yeah, was
2: gonna, that was actually an interesting point I was gonna ask about because I mean, if you're a bank analyst, you're looking at the financials of a company like a REIT yeah. or something, right? You're looking at the, the debt, you're looking at the, uh, the profitability, you're looking at even some of these internal metrics, but I mean, at what point does alternative data cross over into being a new form of fundamental data? I mean, do you see a future where this kind of information is, is kind of de rigueur for for analysts moving forward? Or?
1: You know, I do. I think the way that I see this evolving is, you know, right now to use alternative data, no matter which, you know, sort of subsector you're looking at, um, to use it, you know, you know, we have a web interface, right? So you can look at all the different malls, there's pooled out menus, and, you know, if you're a big property owner, uh, you know, you would, you know, or the owner of one of these mall reads, you would use that interface and people in your company have access to it and it's easy. Um, but I think that there's much more you can do. Um, and right now, looking at just you know, these raw data feeds, you, you still kind of need a data scientist to, to answer these sort of highly dimensional questions that you have. But what will happen to all this alternative data is just like other data, they'll um, you know, banks and other folks are going to make it really easy to use. And you know how you make something easy to use? Um, <laughs> you do it by making it uh, a product, right? And so if you've got, like insurance company, you've got better information on risk, Um, you know, you turn it into a product. You don't make people, you know, have to deal with it. You say, if you have money, you can have exposure to this. And it's the same thing, I think, the banks are gonna figure out, I've got better data on this, or I've got better data on that. You know what, instead of having to, like, sell data, let's just sell to people who just have ideas and money. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. products are what's going to come out next, and that's what's really going to make this all data stuff explode, I think.
0: So we're still then on the uptick, because, like, if you look at the market data space, the reference data space, there was a period of just more and more and more players getting in, and then it consolidates inevitably, eventually. Mm-hmm. So you think that we're still on this uptick that you're going to see more and more kind of specialists coming in, trying to enter the market, and then eventually that would lead toward some period of consolidation? Are we nowhere near that yet, do you think?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, You know, I think that the stage of the market that we're in is, you know, there's been all these different sort of alt data players that have entered into the market, you know, geolocation or, or whatever it is. The nice thing about the data space, if you're starting a company, is that it's so easy to make marketing materials, right? Everybody's marketing material looks equally good. Um, you know, when people enter our space, sometimes we, we see their marketing materials and we're like, wow, these are far surpass our marketing materials, right? <laughs> um, it just sounds good. Like we saw, you know, we saw people uh, a couple times that claimed that you know the number of phones that they were seeing, you know, regularly in the United States, um, you know, was some big number, and we were like, that seems really big. Um, and so we did some research and we're like, well, that's that's much more than the number of smartphones in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? So you know, they just like did, didn't do their calculations correctly. Um, but I think that. Where we are in the market right now is that, you know, these really big financial data companies, you know, you're talking about the, you know, the S&Ps, the Bloombergs, NASDAQs, FactSats, um, you know, they start to see that this stuff is really working, right? And so what they've been doing over the past uh, year or, or more is they've been sort of churning through this market, evaluating all these different folks, um, because in the end, they don't want to lose ownership of the customer. Right, mm-hmm. they want to get ahead of it, and they want to make sure that you know this data is coming through their platform, through their salespeople, um, and gives them ability to look at the data and you know combine it and make new proprietary products as well. So um, they're not lost on this. I mean, look at you know Blackstone with Thomson Reuters uh, business. Um, you know, there's this amazing um, energy right now, and I think a lot of the stuff is not announced yet. Um, but I think that there's a huge shakeout coming in the market. Where right now, if you're in a fund, you have like oh my god, probably a list of like. You know, hundreds of alternative data sources that cover every possible thing that, you know, your three data scientists are supposed to look at. Right? How do you even know how to prioritize it? So people are just like they're wasting massive amounts of time, right? But if you work with one of these big, um, you know, financial data companies, uh, you know, they're going to come out and say, hey, you know what? We've already vetted this. We've looked at it. You know, uh, we think this is the best of breed in the market. Um, here's the back testing versus KPIs. This came from us, not from them. Um, and you, you know, th- there's no dealing with the sales contract. It's on the existing contract that you have with us as your existing provider. Um, and oh, no compliance problems at all because we're already past your compliance and we're already certifying all this as a big company. So all of this stuff goes away. And now you know, the funds can say, hey, let's look at the different marketplaces that are available, all the different stuff that's been vetted. Um, and I would say that you know, 80% of, there'll always be some like you know, long tail, but you know, 80% of the interesting stuff that's high quality, uh, which is still highly dimensional, you know, mm-hmm. you can still need a data scientist to pull out your own special signals, um, I think a lot of that stuff is going to come, you know, from the the big guys uh, soon. And I think that's, you know, a sign that this market is maturing. So in terms of consolidation, I don't know. Um, but I think that there's been a, a desperate, you know, call for help from the funds to say, you know, can you just tell me who's good and who's not? Because the marketing yeah. all looks the same. Yeah. I
2: mean, I mean, I was talking to Bluebird the other day, and they were even just saying that even over the last uh, 12 months, they've increased their coverage, even in, reference data-related fields from like 15000 to 40000 and they were just, and they are very open about the fact that they were just saying, you know, we want to be the one-stop shop for normal financial data and alternative data and providing quant data for the buy side and what have you, so yeah, it seems they're all getting into it in a, at a pace. You know? Exactly, and yeah. then
1: again, like I said, you know, they're not lost to the fact that, you know, when you have, you know, multiple data sets and you, you know, then you have ability to use your knowledge, and you can build them into proprietary products, yeah. right, and once you get products, now anybody who has money can buy products, whereas now you need to be a data scientist to buy this, mm. so they're pushing towards that, um, and then you get to use your brain power to you know build a product that's smarter than a, the combination of things that your competitor has right mm-hmm. and I think that you know, that's when it becomes interesting and you know when money can buy something, then you know people want to get you know fees, transactions, commissions. You know, that's how the world works. That's when things, uh, you know, really have an incentive system to, to take off. And I think we're close.
0: And when you have something, how much looking again forward, you know, maybe off of the fallout from Cambridge Analytica and things like that, and, you know, just the privacy laws that are popping up in Europe, how much as far as the ability to collect data and information that will be useful and new so to be able to expand into new areas the same way that you guys were able to expand into the mall uh, data how much does government policy play into this how much does that concern you or is it just you know there will will always be new forms of data we'll just have to then find something else if you know if uh, regulators or government officials tried to crack down on the collection of certain kinds of information.
1: Yeah I think that um, you know if if you've been a sort of a gray area operator, um, you know this is going to affect you, right? But look, I mean, I see what goes on in the data world. I don't want this stuff going on with my data on my phone either, right? I've got secrets just like everyone else. Um, but, but you know, if you look at the you, you know the larger market of you know doing things right then, you know, this regulation, like I said before, it's absolutely necessary. And, you know, we're in the clear the way we do everything. You know, we have all the compliance policies. It's been checked out a million times by all the funds that that we work with. Um, And so as these laws are changing, um, you know, the people that have the really, really big, really good data are more willing to share it, right, with companies like us. Right. So I, for example, had lunch yesterday with, um, you know, the CEO of a uh, big network infrastructure, uh, you know, global network infrastructure company. Right. He's saying, you know, we need to make our company into a data as a service company. Right. But we need your help because we don't have the models to do anything with this. Right. <laughs> that's the <So> second time <laughs> I've heard this phrase. <laughs> <there's so> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's where people want to go because it, it scales. Right. And yeah. it gives you the ability to combine stuff and, and have proprietary insights. So it's, it's the big differentiator going forward. So I would say that, you know, I was a little worried before. But now that I see, you know, the implications of this and, and talk to the folks that really have, you know, big data, um, you know, it's just like everything else in the world. Like there's rules. And there's penalties and there's laws and you know you do something wrong, well you can go to jail and yeah. you know and you shouldn't
2: yeah yeah just for a final question greg um so looking into the future for how this is applied obviously right now it's being used at a very specialist level um how long you know when you think about traditional financial products like indices for instance they're generally constructed using very basic criteria like market cap for instance of like the FTSE or the s p or what have you uh, do you see any future for this kind of data being used to create sort of alternative um, financial products like that in the future so i mean i mean looking at malls for instance sort of best performing malls using all of data to come into it is that a potential future for this kind of
1: thing? yeah um, absolutely i really think that you know an area that's that's ripe is all different kinds of indices mm-hmm. right and i'm not an expert on monetizing monetizing indices but i yep. know there's a lot of very interesting complex Business models around um, you know sharing profits and things like this about the use of uh, indices. So again, you know, I think indices started, um, and again, I'm not an expert. I think they started just by being like you know daily time series data, right? Yeah. Just like ours. Um, but then wait a minute, if you make um, you realize that you know I don't know one third of the um, transactions on the market are you know due to your index. Wait a minute! You're leaving money on the table, right? So you should get a little piece of that transaction because mm-hmm. it's based on your index, and that's you know massive amounts of money, you know, in these new kinds of business models. So I think that alternative data is definitely, um, you know, going into that space, and I think other spaces where um, stuff has been moving very slowly. For example, like understanding like uh, you know credit. Right. Um, You know, or or these, uh, you know, CMBS or or stuff like that, where like people just have really no data and, you know, stuff will get restated on a monthly or a yearly level. Um, You know, you can start to inject some fresher data in there and it just allows people to, uh, you know, take different kinds of positions and it's, you know, more more liquid.
2: Um, More nuanced understanding, I guess, to
0: an
1: extent. Exactly. So I think, you know, yet to be discovered um, Mm -hmm. some of the stuff, but I I know there's a lot of interest in it. You're exactly right.
0: All right. Well, uh, Greg, uh, you could, we've written a lot about uh, Thasos in the past. Uh, you guys have won a couple of our awards, both uh, for uh, Buy Side Technology, Inside Market Data's awards as well. So we'll link to those so you can read more about the company if you're interested in. But uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we really appreciate the insights.
1: Yeah, thank you guys uh, very much for having me.